Broadcasting from the Skull and Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode number 198. I'm Schmitty. I'm Colin. And I'm Zoner. And I'm Zook. And other than uh, Zoner jumping the gun with the and, we're all here, and we did it great. I, I had to do something, because Colin jumped in so quick, I right? didn't really know what to say. It's like, wait a I second. Thought I, I thought after four weeks of being away, I would have butchered it. We're, nope. And dead. We're glad Solid. that you're back, though, in you know, your full resurrected state. Yeah, I'm He's not dead from a flood or ninjas or a ninja flood or reindeer. Did I miss <laughs> anything? It was a moose. A moose. The a moose. Nin- a ninja flood of reindeer. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was a flood of rain- ninja reindeer. Oh, Colin geez. is actually our resident zombie. He's the zombie podcaster. It's great. <laughs> if that's not a handle, I don't know what is. If you guys want to be zombies, let me know. I can I can definitely help you out. That went someplace awkward real fast. <laughs> You're listening to the episode for the week of Monday, January 12th. Yes. <laughs> I'll take two of them. Zoner's gone. <laughs> He's just gone. He'll just nibble on you a little bit. <laughs> well, I am single, ladies. <laughs> that was a given. <laughs> oh. I, 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 have an, I have unfortunate news for you, Colin. If you lead with the line, may I nibble on you a bit? <laughs> You're gonna remember. Yeah, single. you think so? Yeah, I think so. I will. I, I will remember so. never to lead with that line. Yeah. I think you should. I'll give you a dollar if you do next time. You know, I think it will. It would totally work at like Comic Con or something. Yeah. In fact, I would give you a dollar at Comic Con if I saw you do that. If I could manage to not fall over laughing. Well, you know what we need to do? Actually, we need to like wire Colin with a hidden earpiece. And a body camera, and send him out, and we can just tell him what to say and what to do. <laughs> I don't, and he has to do it. I don't know if I could actually keep composure to actually do that. <laughs> I would be laughing hysterically the whole time. Nimbling doesn't imply com- consent, though. <laughs> Must keep that in mind. Pa- part of me really wants to do that now. Like, and I'd be Nibble? the no, I'd be the guy wearing the mic and the earpiece and just go out and see what kind of chaos we can kick up. I think we found something to do at FanX. I think that's the fastest way to have our press passes revoked for FanX. That's probably true. Uh, it depends on how we go about it. Go up and hug Shatner. We just have hug to Shatner. be appropriate with it. Somewhat. Okay. Hey, before we get any more sidetracked, if that's even possible, uh, let's get into our sponsors. Uh, big shout out to all of our radio friends. And we've got a bunch of them. And uh, we appreciate everything they do. Uh, truly, we wouldn't be the show we are today without them so it's their fault by the way um also big shout out to our friends over at 4814 web hosting the best wordpress hosts on the planet stitcher.com and eagle moss limited yeah that's about it and that's about as smoothly as i was able to get through it pretty considering cool considering we were just the thorn in your side of derailment uh, you perpetually are if i haven't gotten <laughs> used to it yet <laughs> um hey this is a sidetrack already. Any guys catch Agent Carter this week? Nope. No. It's on my TiVo, oh. though. Sorry, guys. The Bachelor won over it. Oh. No. What, what? Should I admit that on <laughs> Like, the words don't even want to work for me right now. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I want to say, no wonder you're single. But then part of me <sighs> says, well, why aren't you watching that with a chick? Because that's like chick show. Um, I did watch it with women. Okay. <laughs> Were you nibbling on them? At the I time? was not nibbling on them. Because <laughs> you missed out. 
Here's the show title for this Maybe week's Nom Nom Bachelor. Anyway, it's good. Check it out. You should definitely check it out. Unlike these three slackers. Yeah, Colin's our very own nibbling bachelor. <sighs> Someone has to be. 25 bachelorettes get out of a limo for him, and he noms each one. Um, <laughs> this week was CES. We did not make it down this year, unfortunately, though we have a lot of fun news coming out of it. Um, and we still were able to get a lot of good partnerships with different vendors. So we'll be able to bring you more content throughout the year. Um, but we wanted to kind of cover the big headlines. Now... This comes with an asterisk with a little clause here because certain things were said or announced this year at CES that we will hear more about later in the year. For instance, let's say Samsung was there and they're debuting uh, a new line of smartphone that isn't going to be released for another two months. Well, we're not going to talk about it now, but we'll talk about it in two months when it's actually being released. Stuff like that. So what you're going to hear from us uh, this week is going to be a lot more of the smaller tech uh, that you actually will be seeing but probably won't get announced at other press conferences or whatnot. Uh, and some of it's pretty cool. Some really weird things came out at CES this year again as well. Um, and I've been there twice now. Schmidty's been there once. Uh, Colin and Zahner need to go with us next year. But CES is a really, really funky place because everyone thinks that it's just this incredibly high-tech, futuristic place where everything is amazing. And there are certainly those moments. But there's also about, I'd say, 80% of the floor which is a combination of seen it before, just done a little differently. Or, hey, I have this really wacky idea that I want to pitch to an investor if only I could find one. Are you an investor? Not to mention last year was the uh, the year of the Bluetooth speaker. Yes. <laughs> and the knockoff uh, Android tablets. Yeah, you can definitely tell the trends because, oh, this is awesome. This is the coolest thing. I've never seen anything like this. Day two. Yeah, I've already seen 300 of things just like this. Don't show me another one. So, um, first off, interesting news from CES. Interesting in the haha, that's so stupid kind of way. And this isn't in the show note, but um, last year there was news about a special accessory meant for iPhones. And I forget what it's called. Ryan Seacrest uh, is one of the uh, founders of this company. Schmitty and I got to play with it, and they promptly got sued by BlackBerry. It's an accessory that snaps onto the bottom of your phone and adds a physical keyboard. The problem is that the physical keyboard looks identical to a BlackBerry's keyboard layout. It's called Typo. Typo, that's right. Uh, and it truly is. I mean, we all laugh at Black, BlackBerry. I mean, if you've heard the show before, you know we're not huge fans. But Schmitty and I saw it, and it's like within a split second, it seems like, yeah, that's a BlackBerry keyboard. That's unmistakable. <laughs> they depend well, on evident- quickly. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah they, they got really upset that we said that to their face. Um, well, after getting sued by BlackBerry, and they're still in litigation for that, they've announced a new one at this year's CES. This one looks like an Apple device. I'm just waiting for the Windows Phone version and the Google version. Um, I don't know. I think it didn't work real well from last year. I don't think it's going to work well from this year. Maybe it's just time for them to let go. Let it go. And now Frozen's stuck in my head. <sighs> Thanks, Sue. Appreciate that. <laughs> just can't hold it back anymore. Ah. <laughs> uh, the cold never bothered me anyway. Actually, it did. I'm subtropical. My people aren't used to f- snow. Um, speaking of climate control, it's kind of a segue. Nest came out with more uh, information at CES this year. Nest is, of course, owned by Google now. And they talked about how they are now actually partnering with other providers so the Nest can actually become the hub for your smart connected home. Yeah, it's, it's their uh, Works with Nest program. 
Uh, they, I believe they started about three or four months ago, but uh, really, are, we really aren't hearing anything about it until now. They just added 15 more companies to it, and I think that brings the total to about 30 or 33. Um, Didn't I want to say they actually announced hints of it, or, or even fully announced it before they got purchased by Google? Wasn't it in the works before they, the purchase? Yeah, they, Nest has always been um, a uh, an advocate of the Internet of Things, and their Nest was supposed to be, you know, the central. Uh, hub of of your smart home and uh and google is is only uh, extending that to you know I, I believe google is doing it better than how nest could have done it originally because the the connections they're making here um are are just are let's see we've got uh philip hue that you know that uh the light bulb that you can control with your iphone uh the uma phone uh the quick sets kivo uh, the the Wi-Fi, NFC, and Bluetooth uh, locking mechanism. Uh, tons of things that you can connect with now. And, and a lot of these aren't set up yet, but they will be within the next three or four months. Uh, so, Well, uh, what I find funny is like c- certain things make total sense, okay? Mm-hmm. Lighting, I'm not 100% sure of that I'd use it, but I can see its application, right? Um, door lock, security system, oh, that totally makes sense. Um, carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide detector, fire detector, yeah, those all make sense. But some of them, um, like LG appliances, mm-hmm. I, and I'm sure that this is just me, that my brain, my use case scenario, the way I use things has not contemplated how I would use that yeah. and give it 20 years when this becomes common. We'll all wonder how on earth we didn't live this way before, but I'm honestly wondering exactly how everything can easily be connected through one thermostat. Yeah. Well, and that, and that's the, their, their point is that the nest, um, while initially was a thermostat, it will no longer be a thermostat. Yeah. It's hooked up to, you know, that location in your house and it still does control your heat, but it really becomes the central hub for your house. So, I mean, the the Internet of Things, as as people have, have talked about and dreamed about for such a long time, is now becoming more of a reality because Nest is central to your physically and metaphysically. <laughs> are, are they are they talking about maybe changing the way you interact with it? Because a lot of these things seem like things that you would automate. You'd set it up once and never worry about it again because I don't want to have to stand there in my hallway fiddling with the thermostat control on a regular basis to control these different things. Yeah, yeah, I think for the most part the the uh the interface for the Nest will remain the same, but you have uh so like you like you said most of the stuff will be automated. Um the lights will blink a little bit when when your washer's done or uh the smoke alarm the smoke alarm detect or the smoke detector detects smoke and the lights turn red or uh you open up the garage door and it knows you're coming home so it sets your heat. Things like that, you know. Things that you wouldn't normally have to manually go and set, but then you absolutely have the option of pulling it up on your phone and controlling the lights or checking how much time you have left in your oven or, I don't know, things like that. Yeah, and again, like I said, I'm sure a lot of it's just simply that I have not ever considered how I would need my fridge to talk to my front door, but maybe <laughs> one day that'll be the most natural thing in the world for me. Um, Sling TV, you laugh, but truly, I mean... <laughs> Oh, I, I've thought of all the combinations. You, we'll, we'll have a, this conversation again, I'm sure. <laughs> well, one thing with, with fridges and being able to talk to, like, the thermostat or the, the device, eggs. Mm. Letting you know when your eggs are going bad. That's, that yeah. is something that I would like. They actually have these, these dishes 
um, that work through Bluetooth that will automatically connect to your phone when, when you get there, and it will tell you when you bought your eggs and when their supposed expiration date is as a reminder. Eggs and it and actually and reads cheese. when you take out those eggs. Yeah. So you can sit there and you can look at your phone and you can say, there's some eggs in the fridge that are about to go bad. Yeah. And there yep. they go. I need to have these two eggs instead of these eight. And Donner, now you can watch your yogurt on your smartphone. Yes! Kitty <laughs> needs three new eggs. Gift him now. For only two coins, you can gift him new eggs. Hey, Amazon will just ship it to you, right? Yeah. Zoner's purple cow has wandered into your fridge. Hey, that um, purple cow is softer than a marsupial's nut sack, so watch your mouth. What? Yeah, we had a really, really interesting pre-show. Uh, one thing I will say, and I, now that we've, we've joked about this a lot... Schmidt and Zahner having an aneurysm. I will say, I've had it where we get like a cold snap, right? Where it just send, the temperature just suddenly drops um, much more than expected, and I have a current thermostat, and the thermostat isn't capable of, of handling the temperature change. But even worse, it changes the fridge, because the refrigerator is suddenly now dealing with a different ambient temperature outside of it, and suddenly everything inside freezes. The temperature setting for the fridge was correct, assuming the temperature outside was steady. It wasn't, and everything inside my fridge freezes, or everything suddenly gets warm. And if the thermostat, if the climate control of your house could speak with your fridge and coordinate how to keep everything inside the right temperature, even as the temperature out in the house is changing, that'd be pretty awesome. If you're, if the cold snap is adjusting the temperature inside your house that much, I think you might want to get your furnace service, dude. Dude, we've lived here many years, and we've had to have the furnace serviced every winter. It's Utah. You can go You're from not, 80 degrees to 20 degrees in 30 minutes. It did go from 70 degrees to 6 degrees right before Christmas. Yeah. Only in Utah. Well, maybe Montana, too. I don't know. Yeah, but no one wants to live Probably there. Probably somewhere else. Um, okay, so uh, another really cool thing, Sling TV. You guys remember the Sling Box, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been around for actually for a very long time. I remember seeing the Sling Box originally at CompUSA in like 2003. Yeah, and I thought, yeah, this is never going to. The people aren't going to catch on to this. It's not going to stick around. There's going to be too much um, opposition to it. It's too hard for people to get um, get used to. And what's more is broad broadband uh, internet was still not that common then. Well, I'm, I was wrong. It's still around and doing just fine. And at CES this year, they launched Sling TV. Uh, Sling TV may finally be what gets cord cutters to stay with a cable company and only have what they want. It's going to handle internet TV, which, as we know, is not the strongest, but on top of that, it actually has partnership deals with certain networks, and it can still receive other TV through DISH. What's more, however, is that it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a contract, and it costs just 20 bucks a month. Um, and and the, cool, the, the thing that I liked about it is that, I mean, you, you hear about sling, the sling box, and you, you picture the piece of hardware, right? Um, after Dish bought them, they kind of worked it into, into their boxes. But the cool thing about Dish TV is that you don't need hardware for it. This will be software on your Roku, on your Xbox One. Um, I, I, don't know if, I, don't know, I don't think it'll be on the Sony PlayStation yet, but um, it'll be on iOS, Android, Fire TV. Um, so I mean, this will be everywhere. So you can, you can do movie rentals through it. It's going to... It's, it's, from what I can tell, the, the main reason why I've been so hesitant about cutting the cord has been the one thing that Schmitty still misses, and, and Zoner has mentioned a couple of times as well, is that, it can't, is that it's really hard to get your TV. There are ways around it, for sure, but 
there's just that one thing that's still missing. It's TV. Apple TV can't do it, even though they claim they can. Roku, you have to go through other services. It's the one thing that's always been the really hard. If you can live without it, you're great. But if you can't, maybe you should keep your TV service. Yeah. You know, and this seems to really kind of bridge that gap. Well, yeah, so you still won't get local channels on it. I mean, you you still won't be able to watch your local news at five. Uh, but you'll have CNN, you'll have TNT, Adult Swim, ABC Family. So, I mean, the major networks are there, but not your local ones. Well, my question is this. They're saying that it's an alternative for cutting the cord, but they're giving you all of the channels that you would have if you had a cable package. Aren't they essentially just becoming a cable provider? Well, this is through a cable provider. This is through Dish. But it's $20 a month yeah. versus... I, I don't know what dish packages are like, but I guarantee you there's not they're one. Price, yeah, they're, they're, yeah, I think they're at least 60 a month. But, I mean, yeah. this to me just, just seems like a dumbed-down cable service. Yeah, just just picture it like dish, but on a network platform. Or, I mean, sorry, a Netflix platform. <laughs> so, I mean, it's more, it's more like it, nothing's on demand. I mean, nothing's live. It's all on demand. Um, in a in a platform that they control, so mm-hmm. nothing broadcast. If if I'm right, I believe it's it's like an hour after, and then mm-hmm. shows become available. Yeah. yeah, much like Xfinity works. So yeah. yeah. Now, um, because this is Dish, Dish has typically not released something at CES that then didn't come to pass almost immediately afterwards. So they're not Apple, they're not Microsoft, they're not Samsung. They don't have another press conference set up later in the year. They kind of use CES as their launch point. So we can probably expect to see this in the market really, really soon. That'll be cool. Um, Okay. Into what was kind of the big... I I was surprised by this. I mean, even though Android Wear and wearable tech is getting huge, and there was a lot of that for sure... The big one that I was getting a lot of headlines in my feed this week about was Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Um, I don't think we've covered them a whole lot. We've talked about them a bit, but it is what it sounds like. It's the Apple iOS experience for your car or the Android experience for your car. They've redone the interface. They've redone how it works, how it interacts with your mobile device. And the idea is that it turns your car into an entertainment unit plus an information unit. Yeah. And the cool thing about these is that most of them are aftermarket, so you could put them in your current car. You don't have to go buy a new car to get these systems. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Kenwood announced theirs with no price. Uh, Pioneer announced theirs with no price. Um, Alpine announced theirs for around 700 to $1,200, which sounds like a lot, but it's actually not for a high-end head unit. And surprisingly, Parrot announced theirs. Parrot is usually known for like drones. Yeah. And they came out with a car head unit, and theirs actually comes bundled with a, um, a, a what do you call it, a road cam, mm-hmm. a drive cam. It comes with a wide-angle camera to actually mount uh, under your rearview mirror, so it's always so your car is recording what it's seen in case of accidents or, or you need to make a claim or something. The difficult thing, though, about the Parrot unit is you have to give it crackers in order to get it to talk yes, to Yes, that you. is true. Yeah, but that it does repeat true. everything you say, so that's cool. Yes, yes. <laughs> Navigate home. Navigate home. Yes. Well, and I joke with everyone that you know what? What would you use a, a, a drone for? And and I think the per- perfect implementation of a drone would be a traffic drone. Drone. You know, you're you're in traffic and you want a drone to like scout up ahead for a better route or to see what the see what the traffic is caused by. 
Um, and with them making an in-dash car, uh, car interface, how, how plausible do you think it is that Parrot's doing something like that? Uh, probably not very. I don't think there's laws anywhere in the world that allow that. Um, but personally, if they did, I would actually use my uh, Parrot drone to take out traffic ahead of me. <laughs> if I could launch a drone strike from my car... There are definitely laws against that. No, no. There there aren't any laws preventing it because you have um, the the laws of of drone operation are you have to be, you have to see it. They can't go above, I think it's 400 feet. um, And you can't fly it over any private properties. Something like that. So you're not over private property. It's in your line of sight. um, And you're not going (laughs) above 400 feet. If you're driving on the freeway while looking at your drone that's almost 400 feet in the air and above you, chances are good you are soon going to end up in private property. Yeah. Line of sight doesn't mean you have to be looking at it. Well, just, <laughs> just, think about, just think about all of the distracted driving laws that we have. We can't manipulate the screen on our cell phone. Can you imagine somebody trying to drive a car and fly a drone at the same time? Even worse is imagine like 10 years down the line when everyone has one of these. Which one of those is mine? <laughs> They auto dock. See, I've got it all figured out. They autopilot. They auto dock. Yeah, you've been watching old episodes of Viper, haven't you? Deliver so. your Amazon packages. <laughs> Viper was the best TV show ever. <laughs> and Echo was the best video game. Okay, so no. In in all honesty, though, the um, the Alpine unit is strange in that it's only um, Apple's CarPlay, but the other three can handle either. Or if you don't have a smartphone, they have their own built-in operating system. Um, I believe nearly all of them are mechless, which is a, uh, a way of saying they don't take CDs or DVDs at all. They enti- are entirely touchscreen. They're just that unit, which, honestly, who uses CDs anymore? Anyone that has a smartphone. Yeah, pretty much. Um, the Parrot unit is also kind of cool in that it hooks into your car's ODBC2 port or ODB port, whatever it is. Um, ODBC, I think, is a, is a database programming thing um but so we can actually read diagnostic information of the car and display it up on the screen as well plus it can also tie into your heating cooling system so if you have one of the newer higher end cars that don't have climate control knobs they do it through the head unit it can replace that so if i hop on the freeway it knows that i'm going faster and then it'll put on the dry the faster driving music for me maybe i don't know I, all I know is I want one of these. I don't have a car that's nice at all or new, but I su- surely want one of these in there. I'm going to guess they're all going to cost around uh, 1200 to $1,400. Again, that is typical for high-end uh, in-car audio systems, but I do find it funny that you could potentially be ha- using a head unit that's more expensive than your Superphone. Mm-hmm. You could potentially be... In some cases. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. You could potentially <laughs> be using one that's more expensive than your car. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also on uh, display this week uh, was Mercedes-Benz self-driving car that looks a bit like a Norelco Razor. <laughs> no, it looks like um, deodorant, like a stick of deodorant. The, the, yeah, the applicator. Yeah, like the applicator tip right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they show all those LED lights on the front, and all I think is, what if one goes out? Like, how Do, do they you, all go out? How do you <laughs> like, like Christmas lights? <laughs> You put one in the wrong way and they start blinking? <laughs> I don't know. Um, they do this every year. Yeah. I, I, we'll never see this car. We're still a long way off from self-driving tech. So no matter what headline you see 
about CES this year, we're not there yet. Now, I actually saw a lot of people talking about these self-driving cars, and they were all talking like, oh, yeah, they're going to be on the market next week. But I, I think you're exactly right. This is something that we've been talking about forever. In fact, in 1985, Back to the Future, or was it 1989, uh, when Back to the Future 2 came out, we were told flying cars. I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, because there's nothing better than a distracted driver actually falling from the sky yeah. into the roadway. Yeah. Your car is your drone. <laughs> I think okay. there's only one state where uh, would drive, um, auto driving cars is legal. It's California, right? They, they uh, yeah, but only along. in limited uh, limited capacities. Um, moving away from that into... Uh, uh, we're going to talk about a cell phone here. And the only reason I'm bringing it up, typically we're not going to talk about cell phones because from experience, the ones at CES are either ones we're going to see later in the year anyway or ones we're never, ever, ever going to see. But here's one that's really interesting that I kind of hope we do see. It's the Yes, Andy, and Billy. Uh, the name, if the name's an indication, we won't see it with that name. But it's the same phone... It's $200 off contract. It uses a 5-inch screen. Uh, it's a 1080 screen, 13-megapixel camera. It has a 1.2 gigahertz quad-core Snapdragon. That's all kind of, yeah, it's middle of the road. It's good mid-range phone, smartphone, especially with that price. It's great. But here's what's really awesome is that it runs either Android or Windows Phone 10. It can run either. Part um, of me is surprised that Microsoft is allowing that. Oh, I don't think Microsoft cares. Microsoft actually makes money off of every Android phone sold. Well, yes, I understand that. However, I just I don't imagine that Microsoft is real thrilled with that. But I don't know. Maybe they're just thrilled to have Windows Phone out on the market. Yeah, please, please put this on another phone. We don't care. You want to put an emulator onto an iPhone? We don't care. Just <laughs> well, the thing that I don't get is, I mean, we, we've seen a lot of devices that can dual boot into either an Android operating system or the Windows operating system. Um, why they're not doing this here baffles me, because they have the capability of doing it. Why are they releasing two separate devices when they could put them both into the same one? That's, that's my question. Or better yet, why not have it so you buy it and you can download the OS you want? I mean, even if they can't sit side by side on the same device, if you could swap out. Yeah. Well, the fact that they're they're releasing two different versions, the, you know, the Andy runs the Android and then Billy will run the Windows 10. The fact that they have two different devices leads me to believe that one might not be able to run the other. But I, you may be right. I don't know. That's not necessarily true. The uh, the HTC One M8 uses the exact same hardware to run both Android and Windows Phone. It's currently the fastest, most powerful Windows Phone out there. Okay. Yeah. So it uses the exact same hardware. Everything on the same. So it's just kind of interesting. And again, the only reason we bring this up is because you probably are not going to hear it about it any other time through the year. But there's a high chance you might be seeing it probably on Boost Mobile, maybe Verizon's uh, uh, prepaid plans. It's probably going to be an entry level phone, but it's worth keeping an eye out for. Um, in the kind of more holy crap, what are they thinking area of CES, um, Fuhu, <laughs> I, I'm going to guess that's how you say that, um, they, they make tablets. They've made two tablets, and, and Schmidt and I saw these last year. They make a 20-inch and a 24-inch tablet, which is kind of insane in size if you think about it. It's like, why on earth would you use that? Well, just to like really one-up themselves, they now have new ones going up to 65 inches, a 65-inch 4K tablet. Yeah, it, it's, it's no longer called a tablet. It's just a touchscreen TV. <laughs> yeah. 
Welcome back I, to smart boards. Yeah, I, it's that's the idea, I guess. I mean, you have you have your smart TVs that are capable of running, you know, Netflix and and all these all these different uh, all these different apps. But what about what what about when you want to play Angry Birds on your TV? Now you can. Because <laughs> that's what everyone wants to do with their TV. Let's play Angry Birds. I do now. <laughs> Fruit Ninja would be kind of cool. I feel like this would be the equivalent of sitting right next to your microwave and just staring at it. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, that's funny. But uh, th- there are times when um, my kids are fighting over the tablet or or my wife and, and my phone. And, and what better way to resolve the situation than getting out the 65-inch tablet, mount it on the wall and say, all right, kids, there you go. And... If it's a, if you have a 65 inch tablet, one would hope it's always mounted to the wall. That's not something you pull out of your backpack. I pulled it out of my back pocket. You know, I'm Care usually playing on it in the bathroom. <laughs> Whenever I'm having a long time in the bathroom, I just break it out, brace it on my lap. I tried charging it on in my car while I was driving, but it drained the battery. We're gonna <laughs> just strap to the top like a, like a deer carcass. We're just gonna walk into Zook's bathroom one of these days, and all of a sudden it's just gonna be plastered. His whole wall is just that. Oh, the video calls on that would be awesome. Hang out. <laughs> yeah. You mean you mean the tablet, right? That's what you're talking about? The tablet's oh, going to oh, be yes, plastered? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't play the pronoun game. We need details. Now, you know, I hate smudges on my tablet screen or on my cell phone screen. I hate fingerprints. It drives me even more insane when it's on my television. Yes, that, that's exactly what I was going to bring if up. If I've got a 65-inch tablet mounted on my wall where my kids are playing Angry Birds, my OCD is going to cause my head to explode because I'm going to look at that and see nothing but fingerprints on the wall. 65 inches of fingerprints. It's going to drive me crazy. Now, what's kind of dumb here is they say it can also be used as a TV. Well, one would freaking hope because I don't have many walls in the house to lose, <laughs> especially if I can't also use it as a TV, but they don't have a built-in tuner. What? Doesn't, doesn't everybody have an so, Angry Birds wall, though, Zook? So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I did until I had to take it down from my ESPN wall. Um, but this isn't a TV. This is a monitor, is what they're saying. Yeah. Yeah, so it it's doesn't have HDMI monitor. inputs. doesn't have AV inputs. So you're still going to... I mean, you're, you're stuck with, um, you know, the multimedia apps that, that you can download. So this is just... I. Hmm. Well, if you want a 65-inch 4K Ultra tablet, it's going to run you around $4,000. Um. Which, for that price, you could buy a really, really good 65-inch TV, an Xbox One, and a Kinect. Then you don't have to get up and poke your TV, um, thereby knocking it off the wall. Because can you imagine that? Instead, you can just wave your hands around. Um, <laughs> in your underwear. <laughs> in, in your underwear, yes. Never going to live that down. No, you won't. Um, Granted, you could touch your tablet with your underwear. <laughs> what? What? I... I... What? Let's go back to the pronoun game. Uh, Let's go back to pronouns. That Why is. Okay. <laughs> wow. I'm done. I'm just going to go. Um, I can't handle this anymore. Okay. I need an editor with for my thoughts. <laughs> Before they come out. There's a mental filter there. Yeah. Um, that little guy Angie. that runs your filter is playing Xbox at the moment in his underwear. Yes, yes. Okay, so in cool area of CES, um, Philips 
announced a new headphones. A new set of headphones. Okay, well, I'm actually ignoring a lot of headphone news because we got a lot of headphones last year at CES. We got samples to review. We got a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, and there really isn't much innovation there. There's nothing much new that's coming out this year that wasn't already out last year. Okay? Except for... Philips has a new uh, one that I'm assuming is going to be Apple only because it's powered by Apple's lightning port. So if you have an iPhone, an iPod Touch, uh, an iPad, you plug these headphones into the lightning port and they become active noise-canceling headphones that are being run from the phone and powered by it. And according to reports, it doesn't take much power at all. That's really cool. That is amazing, yeah. I mean, I mean, it makes total sense, and it kind of makes you wonder, why didn't anyone think of this before? You know, why aren't there ones like this for Android devices with micro USB? I mean, why isn't this a thing? But this is really quite innovative, and this is the kind of stuff you want to see at CES. Yeah. Um, My only question is, how, how long will it last? Uh, I mean, as far as battery power goes, you plug this into your phone, turn on the noise cancellation, how much battery life do you have now? Yeah, that's a good question, and they don't have hard numbers yet. Uh, they just say it shouldn't take a noticeable hit. Well, define noticeable, because I'm kind of OCD. Uh, I notice a lot. <laughs> um, but it's still really cool. I mean, just a quick synops- synopsis of other headphone news out of CES this week. Sennheiser brought out the exact same headphones they've been bringing out for the last two years, only this one's wireless. Okay. Innovation. Um, Audio-Technica, who we are big fans of. We love Audio-Technica. Three of us are using our Audio-Technica mics right now. One of, them, one of us is using our Audio-Technica headphones. Mine are back at work. They brought out more of the same headphones, only um, different colors, I think, and a different volume rocker design. So, you know, a lot of the companies are bringing out the same stuff. This is really cool, though. Philips bringing out something like this is really, really awesome. Um, in... Other kind of interesting news, and I, I know I skipped one here, but we're going to go back to it in a moment. LG announced that. Uh, let me back up here. Interesting story. Who remembers uh, Web OS? Oh yeah, I did. Of course. Of yeah. course. I think it was one of the most cleanest what OSs. Most in my eyes. It was. I spent about a half an hour playing with it last year at CES. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, Web OS was developed by Palm for their Palm Pilots and Palm Prees. They were then bought up by HP and then promptly executed uh, a year later. That's the word I'm using for it. Um, HP then released WebOS into the open as open source because they weren't going to do anything with it. And currently, the as much as open source can be owned by anyone, the WebOS project is currently being owned by LG. Now, what Schmitty's referring to is last year we saw a smart TV using WebOS. It was a Samsung TV, I believe. Nope, it was LG. We were in the oh, okay. LG booth. Okay. Yep. And it was pretty freaking awesome. There's a YouTube video you can watch of us uh, talking with, uh, I think, Ashley at LG Electronics. And she's showing it off to us. And it was it was really, really cool. Well, they have, of course, announced another TV. It's thinner. It's slimmer. It's too expensive for anyone to realistically own. It runs the newest version of WebOS. But also, they are coming out with another smartwatch. This isn't new. They've been talking about it for months, but there were actually videos of it in use, and I'm, I'm trying to, I've been trying to find them all night. But uh, of a, it looks like an G Watch R, only it's running WebOS, and it's running it actually slightly faster than Android Wear. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I think. Um, I mean, smartwatches 
kind of got a, a late debut last year, but I think we'll definitely see a lot more of them this year, and hopefully it'll become the norm. Mm-hmm. They also launched their um, LG G Flex 2. Uh, that was uh, the, the original G Flex was one that got introduced last year at CES. Schmitty and I had time to play with that last year as well. Um, and it kind of got me hooked on LG phones, which is why I now have a G3. Uh, it was it was pretty drool-worthy. Well, the new one actually is more drool-worthy. <laughs> it's even better. <laughs> it's even better. Um, I kind of wish I could get it instead of keeping my G3 now, but... But oh well, I guess I'll make do. That's what T-Mobile's jump programs for Zook. First world problems. <laughs> it Just really do what is. I do: change phones every six months. <laughs> it's really expensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, I wish I had disposable income. Oh wait, I have children. The bachelor life. Uh. Well, you know, and Colin's <laughs> constantly able to collect on that life insurance on himself. So, oh yeah, there's that definitely. <laughs> Didn't you listen to the last episode? I died. What's so hard to understand about this? I want to cash out my policy. <laughs> By the way, I need to take out a new policy before next Thursday. It'd be great. Okay. Um, Intel. And there's a reason why I held off on Intel here until a little bit later, because this one is kind of big. Intel had a really big keynote where they they showed off a new little chip. Now, last year they announced – oh, gee, I forgot the name already. Edison. Edison, right. And it was supposed to be this tiny, tiny little C- uh, machine on a chip. We interviewed people for it. We got to look at it and play with it. And it was really quite amazing. And it only came out like the day before CES ended that that wasn't actually Edison. That it was a mock-up. That they weren't able to get Edison to work the way they had just promised a couple days before. And it was going to be slightly larger and a little less capable. But this year they're back with a new chip that they've full-on admitted is just a processor. But it's the size of a button. Or a dime. It is tiny. Uh, and it's supposed to be... It, it should be powering all wearables coming up soon. They're going to use it for drone technology. They're going to use it for everything they can. And it will probably be what we see in the quote-unquote internet of things. So like those LG smart refrigerators we were talking about earlier in the show. Or Nest thermostats or, or your deadbolt or whatever. It's going to be what, what covers them. Uh, they also talked about uh, how they've been advancing 3D printing. Which, again, was another thing uh, that CES saw a lot of this year that we're not talking about because, so what? They have an entire floor dedicated to 3D printers this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were talking about 3D printing a pizza. Someone came up to me excited this week. Oh, did you see they 3D printed a pizza? It's like, yeah, they did that last year, too. That hasn't advanced much. <laughs> it, it's kind of sad, actually, how slow it's been to advance. But... Uh, the, probably the most interesting thing that Intel announced this year is that they're putting forth a $300 million initiative to help get a full representation of women and minorities in the company by 2020. We've hinted on this before on previous episodes where a review of the tech world showed that it is overwhelmingly white with like the next largest ethnicity being Asians at only, like I think, 19%. I mean, it, it's just incredibly white. Uh, after that, it's also incredibly male, where an estimated 85% of the tech industry is men. Uh, there's been a lot of talks about as to why that's the case. Um, it's the same in all areas of engineering, actually. In fact, uh, another show I listened to, 99% Invisible, which is the only other show I think I'll ever mention here on the air because it's just so good, talks about how in architecture school, it's almost a 50-50 split between men and women, but by the time they actually hit the field, 
most women have dropped out of the program and only men remain in the field. And it's the same thing here. So Intel has decided that they are going to put forth this entire program to help enforce and ensure fair hiring practices and that they get more ethnicity representation and female representation in their company. It's pretty good. I, 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 I'm not sure how I feel about this. And, and here's why, okay? Um, I'm not a sexist. Which is usually the line you say right before you say something horribly sexist, <laughs> right? It's like, I'm not a racist, but man, those black people, you know, that's the joke is that you say that right before you say something horribly racist or sexist. But I have seen with my own two eyes where affirmative action like initiatives in other areas, not necessarily in tech, can go awry. Right. Being a minority myself, um, being in a predominantly um, white community and state it, I have been on the receiving end of misinformed or, or misplaced affirmative action. So I don't know how this is going to be for Intel. Shreddy? I, I think it's going to be really good because I mean, look at what happened last year. We had this, the huge, the Gamergate happen, if you will. But, you know, I, I don't like the name Gamergate, but it is what it is. Uh, there, there's been, uh, um, Celebrities speak up about it. A um, lot, lot of good um, speeches on it, and, and uh, you know, talk shows talking about it. But not really has it been addressed to such a degree like like Intel's trying to do. And, and I know they're not targeting GamerGate itself, but it's the heart of the issue that they are that they're attacking. So um, I, I think this has to be done um, in order to to get the peop- the the heart of the problem are the people that don't pay attention to things like that unless a company that's so ingrained into the into the tech world gets behind it like this people will start paying attention so my only concern when i hear stories like this are is the person who is most qualified going to be the person who gets the job or is it going to go to the minority or to the woman because of the fact they are a minority or a woman or a minority woman well, and that is the question. And and on one hand, someone could tell, "Hey, Zoner, your privilege is showing. You know, you know, check check your privilege because you're a white male. So what would you know?" But I'm speaking to you as an as a minority. That yeah, that happens sometimes. And that's why I'm, I'm I can see what Intel's doing. And Schmidt's absolutely right. Last year was a complete blow up when it came to to sex in the. Uh, in the game industry and not for the normal reasons, not for like, you know, mass effect as the rape simulator or hot coffee mods or anything like that. But because everyone felt that it was okay to bash on female game analysts or developers for no reason other than their gender. And that was just despicable and wrong. The question becomes kind of how Intel plans to do this because Zoner's right. If it's just simply hire more females, hire more minorities, that could blow up on their face. That could be really, really bad. If it's invest more in education, keep trying to get female engineers into the workplace so they're not discouraged, so they make it through the programs or have more incentive to make it through the programs, that could work out in everyone's favor. Mm-hmm. You know, I just had a thought here. You and I both worked on a team years ago where we had a number of people who spoke French. They were hired solely based on the fact that they could speak French. They needed tech abilities as well. They didn't necessarily always have the best tech abilities, 
which was extremely frustrating for everyone around them, but they could speak French. I, I, I'll say this. I was their boss. They were downright lousy at tech. I, I'm trying to be tactful in case any of them are listening. It was eight years ago. Was, I, they were lousy. No, they, they were absolutely horrible. But because they fit this one specific criteria regarding a language, I mean, that could be any criteria. It could be, it could be sex. It could be you know sexual orientation. Whatever. I don't care. We should say gender. That's more accurate, but... Yeah, but whatever. I, I'm a Neanderthal. Uh, when are we ever accurate? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it. I think back to that particular instance where my ability to do my job effectively was affected by them. Your ability to do your job effectively was affected by the fact that they had a quota that they had to fill. And it negative. I feel like it negatively impacted everyone around them. And, and I worry, yeah. I, I applaud Intel for wanting to do this and wanting to... Sp- Spread the wealth, as it were, but it could cause problems. For sure, I think we can all agree on there is a very easy way this could screw up. You know, some uh, an initiative like this could go south real fast if it's not done properly. I'm going to give Intel the benefit of the doubt, though, because they know what's riding on this. You know, this isn't like saying (laughs) Girls Gone Wild is going to hire more women for equality because, hey, who doesn't like women? This is a respected industry leader, one of the first in the industry. It's kind of like, you know, the grandfather of all American-based chip technology. It's them and Texas Instruments, pretty much. Mm, IBM. Yeah. Yeah. So, because it's them saying it, and they're throwing a rather large, hefty amount behind it, I, I hope for the best. Um, moving out of CES mo- uh, news, see, there really wasn't that much happening. Um, oh, wait, no, no, I completely screwed that up. Someone moved the headlines out of order. Sony. Sony Walkman. Sony Walkman is back. It's going to cost a little bit more than you remember it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my Walkman. Sony Walkman was $30. It had okay. a digital tuner and a tape deck. It lasted for seven years. Um, well, Star Wars, Wars lasted la- for 30. Yeah. <laughs> How did we both go there? Because I just um, watched Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy today again. So. This one hopefully lasts longer than that because it costs $1,200. Uh, it is a digital-only, high-end audio piece of audio equipment. Yes. Um, okay, let's, let's get it out of the way right now. Why the crap does it cost $1,200? I'll tell you why. <laughs> because it's made from, from unicorn flesh. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> For one, it's Sony. Sony, we know, makes excellent hardware. Uh, they, they don't skimp in, in their electronics. They don't use the, the cheapest components. They use the high-end components. Uh, and I, when I say components, I mean, you know, capacitors and chips and things like that. Um, they, they use the most robust ones. They're going to last the longest. So, yeah, this, this will last five 10 years, hopefully. So, um, but also, um, this, uh, this Walkman is going to support the, the audio formats that haven't been available to audiophiles in a handheld format ever. Uh, in order to get some of the qualities that uh, are available in this device, you have to have a full-on 4U receiver that you have to mount to a rack, you know, or, and they, caught, they, they weigh 80 pounds and... So, I mean, stuff like this you haven't had available in handheld form ever. 
and audiophiles are just going to go crazy over this because it, if you can throw a 64 inch tablet in your backpack why can't you throw an 80 pound receiver dude <laughs> i'm right? just saying because the the 65 inch tablet only weighs 40 pounds oh okay oh. yeah see <laughs> the, how he did i not know that pack. um yeah so here's the the problem i see with it because I recently had to review, I shouldn't say had to review, it was a pleasure, but I reviewed uh, The Geek Out from LH Labs. Uh, you can see it on StolenDroids.com. And I talk about how expensive a lot of audiophile equipment can be. And then you miniaturize it, and it can be even more expensive. But here is the problem. Sony's Walkman isn't as capable as high-end audio equipment. It would like to think it is. It's not. It doesn't have the power output necessary for hi-fi he- headphones. It doesn't have the codec features that allow um, lossless audio. And yet it costs just as much as those components. See, I could understand it costing in the $800 to $900 range. You think that sounds horribly expensive, but your smartphone probably costs about the same amount. So it would make sense that a device that's about the size of the phone that uses miniaturized components similar to a phone but doesn't have a lot of the phone's features would cost about the same amount. Mm -hmm. And even the Sony name shouldn't tack on another $300. So I still think this is still $300 to $400 over. Let's, let's put it this way. One, one of the um, audio formats that a lot of audiophiles will turn to is the DSD format. Um, I mean, the, the uh, sampling frequency that we usually deal with in CD players and MP3 players is either 48 kilohertz, 96 kilohertz, or 192 kilohertz. And that's all fine and dandy, but the DSD works on 44.1. 88.2 and 176.4, uh, and you can't have both of those frequencies on the same device unless you have two dedicated clock oscillation chips. And that, but that's not hard to do. We're recording this episode right now at 44100. No, yeah, but on the same device that we can also record 48. It's, it's our, our our computers take care of that. But on an an MP3 player, you can't have both of those unless you significantly increase the price. Because I, I, I challenge that because our first ten episodes were done in forty eight thousand before I knew what the crap I was doing. Yeah, we used to master this at forty eight thousand. It was done on our laptops. Fine. Our processors handled that. You don't have that capability in a small handheld device. So okay, if I'm if I'm to understand, and, and, and sorry, Zoner, I know you have a, something to say there, but I, before I forget, so are you saying that this is more expensive because of its capability to encode audio? Or are we just talking about a device that's just specifically to decode audio for us to listen it to? It encodes and decodes. Yes, you can record on the fly with this. And that's that's where it will come in handy with with uh, people with live bands and things like that. So, hmm. I guess that would add some to it, Zoner. My comment is no longer pertinent. I've <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, never stopped you before. You, you were talking about how your cell phone was like 800 900 or seven 800 bucks. According to people on The Price is Right, an iPhone is $7,500. <laughs> That's true. This is a total deal. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I, either way, people will buy this. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, it sounds outrageous to us. It sounds I don't outrageous know, guys. Us, but it will be, but people will buy it. But will it, it doesn't play say a anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I, awesome mix. I just want it to play my WMA files. That's all yes, I it, want. It can do that. Yes. With DRM, with or without DRM. Perfect. See, I, just want, I actually just want to convert everything over to FLAC. <laughs> You know, though, you just know there's going to be some putts out there who buys one of these and then it can't figure out why the sound over his Bluetooth headphones doesn't sound any better. 
should sound great right now. Yeah. Okay. So we're running really long. Let's let's just plow through the last ones. Um, tomorrow uh, would have been a couple days for you because you won't hear this till Monday. But on January 9th, uh, the House is looking to reintroduce CISPA. This is the one that allows people to spy on you. SOPA, PIPA, you guys remember that thing? Don't allow it. Uh, you aren't hearing this anywhere else in the news. We just found it tonight, in fact. It's being shuffled in under the wire. So educate yourself. Get out there. Scream at a congressman. Uh, you Yahoo actually managed to go up in search ranking slightly. They had a 4% gain last year, while Google had a 4% drop, making it making that its largest drop since 2009. That's incredible. Are the two numbers related? I hope so. Marissa Meyer's doing something right there. Not if you listen to her stock her stockholders, they don't think see her doing anything. Morons. <laughs> what has Bing's market share done? Um, Bing's probably doing pretty well too, considering Yahoo is Bing. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, speaking of, uh, Windows 10 will have a new browser called Spartan, codenamed Spartan. Yeah, I'm just won't... wondering for, I'm just waiting for Guilty Spark, Reclaimer, and a- Arbiter. <laughs> yeah, they say it definitely won't be called Internet Explorer. Uh, <laughs> and it's codenamed Spartan, so that's probably not going to be the name it's released under. But it's, it's promised to be, you know, a lot better than Internet Explorer. Support extensions and so. Who knows? Yeah, it's supposed to have uh, voice-based search functions similar to Cortana. Uh, Cortana. Um, I'm just waiting for Windows Movie Maker to be renamed as Arbiter. <laughs> just let's keep the Halo theme, evidently. Um, misleading title is misleading. No, it's not about child porn this time. Uh, Monument Valley, an Android game. Or I should just say a mobile game because it's actually in quite a few different things. They came out and said that only five percent of uh, only five percent of the installed user base have paid for their game for on on Android. For Android five percent yeah. of the Android population has paid for the game, compared to forty percent on iOS. Now that's misleading because they're not taking into account anything from Amazon, and Amazon actually had it as a free app of the day last November nineteenth. Plus, you can get it with the Amazon coins from the Amazon Market thing so yeah that's that's pretty misleading there's a lot of people out there who got the game for free and they're not counting that i should say considering um it's actually rather hard to pirate an apple app not impossible but it's harder hard to um 60 percent of the people pirated this 40 percent no no you're right 60 percent since yeah it's hard to believe that 60 percent of iphone users have a cracked iPhone and pirated the app. So I think someone needs to look at their, their statistics. Yes. Um, Netflix has denied cracking down on VPN users. Uh, again, people who were using VPNs to get around uh, area restrictions, people who were in an area that weren't getting a movie, uh, they would VPN to an area that was getting the movie and try and stream over Netflix that way. And Netflix says, yeah, we weren't cracking down on you, but they haven't really said how they were cracking down on because they were still getting cracked down on. Cracked on cracked. There was cracking down occurring. <laughs> to, to who the cracking down was being beaten upon. <laughs> that sounded so proper. Uh, and finally, and with all the news about police and going, with all the police news in the news, with all the headlines <laughs> about police in the news, it's late. Um, 
the L.A. police are actually going to be doing something really, really interesting. Everyone's talking about body cameras and how so often police don't have their body cameras on or they're not working properly or they're not on at the right time or the batteries died. And police are getting a really bad rap in the media from it. Well, the L.A. police department is setting up a system now so their body cameras will be linked to tasers via Bluetooth. As soon as the safety flicks off on their taser, the body camera starts rolling. This is genius. And if the, they should freaking do this for everything. What if they choose to use lethal force as opposed to non-lethal force? Does that That's my question. Why why can't they do this as soon as the siren goes on? You know? Or why can't the they do says, this? Hey kid. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they they need to Oh man, they need to do this for everything. Put a heartbeat sensor on the cop and as soon as the heartbeat spikes to a certain degree, body camera switches on. Tied in with Nest and as soon as you open no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they'll be comfortable and protected by a body camera. Okay, into our favorites. Sorry, I, I know those last ones are almost like a fast lane. Um, a new image has come out from the Hubble telescope of the Andromeda galaxy. Now, I believe Schmidt actually pointed this out to me that I, I probably had this something similar to it as a favorite in years past, but this is a new image. It is huge. It is the sharpest view ever of it. Want to know how huge it is? It is 69,536 pixels by 22,230 pixels. If you want to download it, it's 4.3 gigabytes. Now, even as sharp and as beautiful as it is, you can only zoom in so far onto it before it starts to turn blurry, and that's because space is really, really big. It is mind-bogglingly big. Okay? So maybe just set it as your wallpaper instead. (laughs) Uh, my favorite is a um, YouTube video that was released recently, uh, or not recently, a couple months ago, um, of a guy solving a 17 by 17 by 17 Rubik's Cube. It is the world record largest Rubik's Cube uh, built. It's, a, it's 3D printed, um, and I believe only one of them has been printed, and only two people have solved it. Uh, that would be the, the creator and then the guy that made this video, who lent it from the creator, uh, it takes him seven and a half hours to solve. The video I link is, is the time-lapse version, which is only six and a half minutes. Uh, but I watched the entire seven and a half hours across three days. And for, for a cuber like myself, it was, it was really entertaining. Um, I challenge you to watch it. So check it out. All right. And then my favorite, about 20 minutes before the show started, I decided to hop on YouTube. And the first thing that displayed, Don Cheadle is Captain Planet. <laughs> I and forty minutes later we started the show. <laughs> right, I could not stop watching him nonstop. It's so the Planeteers, of course, summon Captain Planet, and all of a sudden something goes wrong. Captain Planet turns on the world. He starts turning people into trees. One guy he turned into broccoli, and then he decides, "Eh, I'm good without powers. I'm just going to use a gun." <laughs> So As definitely, definitely, yeah, of course. I I would definitely get bored with powers. I mean, come on. No. Said no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Definitely a good series to watch. And this week I bring you yet another Android app that is full of awesome. It is Weather Timeline Forecast. It is a nice material design weather application. Uh, I started using it. I really like it a lot. The widgets are nice. And it is $0.99 cents to buy. However, if you use Google Rewards, hopefully you have some credits saved up and it won't cost you anything. 
But it is a really nice app. Very beautiful. Uh, check it out. Very cool. That is our uh, show this week. Again, we're getting really close to episode 200. Send us some letters. Send us some feedback. Send us questions. Uh, we're not sure what we're going to do for episode 200, but it's going to be epic. We hope. We think. Uh, until next time, cheers. End of line. Sayonara. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.